Welcome to episode three of Yanks in Europe. We have a jam-packed episode today. Lots to cover from the midweek Champions League matches and the Europa League matches that happened today. We're also going to take a deep dive into our slate of World Cup qualifiers, how we think we'll perform, teams maybe we need to watch out for, plus a preview of the matches at the weekend. Yeah, uh, when it comes to UCL, uh, USA had a record five Americans playing matches on the same day, which happened this past Tuesday. We had Ethan Horvat for Club Burge. We had Christian Pulisic for Chelsea. Gio Reyna for Dortmund, Sergino Des for Barcelona, and Tyler Adams for RP Leipzig. Uh, the previous record was actually set in the 2012-2013 group stage when internationals Jermaine Jones, Oguchi Anawayu, and Sashka Kingston all played in the same day back in 2012. I think the group um, that we had this week was a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely remember Gucci on away from the 2010 World Cup and then uh, Jermaine Jones definitely with that uh, wonder strike against uh, in the 2014 against uh, what, uh, who Portugal. was it? Portugal. Yeah, the curl, the curl that he had. Um, but yeah, just talking about UCL, uh, Ethan Horvath got his first start in the last 13 months in competitive soccer. Um, obviously, the starter for his club, uh, Mingle, was out. He tested positive for COVID over the weekend. Uh, Horvath came in, helped lead, led his team to a 2-1 win over Zenit. Um, if it wasn't for a miraculous shot by Loverin that hit the right post and unfortunately bounced off Horvath's back into the goal, he would have pitched a shutout. Um, although he did bounce back real well from that, he had two great saves toward the end of the game uh, to keep his team up and you know help secure a win for them. For sure. He, he looked uh, absolutely fantastic for those of you who weren't able to catch the match. I know it was an early kickoff on the Champions League, a uh, 12.55 start time. So more people are probably able to see it because it wasn't rivaling uh, Sevilla versus Chelsea or the Barcelona match. So, but he looked out, absolutely outstanding. Like you had said, his first match in 13 months, which is yeah. crazy to think he's literally been a backup since last September, hasn't yeah. gotten any time. And it, he kind of spoke out about it uh, a little while ago saying, you know, it's been a really rough year yeah. for this man. He hasn't seen his parents for over a year. Yeah. With and, COVID and all. Yeah. It's kind of been rough. And, you know, for him to have uh, a game like this was absolutely huge. You know, they did need a little bit of uh, a luck from to, to win that match. They didn't look very well offensively, somehow pulled two goals though, which was great because it, it gave Horvath the three points that uh, his performance definitely deserved. Yeah, uh, I mean, he. I, I honestly, I feel like he played great. Uh, first match in 13 months. I mean, it's incredible, especially in UCL play. Um, fun fact: the goal that actually happened on Tuesday was the first goal he's given up. He's started in four UCL games. He's only given up one goal. That and that's pretty good statistics for me right there. Uh, but it was just amazing, especially just watching after the game, like all of his teammates, coaches, trainers, everybody coming up to him and just hugging him. I mean, he was real emotional. Uh, and it's, you know, like we said, with COVID, not seeing mm -hmm. his parents in a while, not being able to have a competitive game to where he's played in over a year. I mean, just all those emotions really hit him. And I know uh, I saw something earlier today that Christian Pulisic had texted him after and just yeah. telling him how proud he was of him, dude. And like, we well, you know you're this good. Like, I'm so happy you got to do this and, show, you know, just, you know, stay positive, keep doing this. Um, Horvath should That's be starting captain, this weekend. The exactly. Leadership. That's the captain of, of the USA right there, reaching out to him. Uh, they were good friends. They play. They used to both play in the Bundesliga at the same time. Uh, so, I mean, they, they've known each other for a while. Horvath should keep up his uh, starting position. Mingle is going to be out for at least another week. They have a game that's coming up. 
Saturday uh, that he should be able to start in. Um, so, but yeah, we're definitely real proud of him and he definitely had a great showing in uh, on Tuesday. Keep it up. And why can't he be starting for our team? You know, De- definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously the next player we'll talk about uh, Pulisic, uh, Chelsea and Sevilla had a zero, zero draw on Tuesday. Um, really wasn't much that happened on Pulisic's side. Uh, again, he was playing out of position on the right wing. Uh, Frank Lampard has a thing for Mason Mount to where he wants him playing left wing every game. And if that's not happening, there's something wrong. Um, he did eventually transition over to the left wing when Mount got subbed out in the 62nd minute. But by then, um, Sevilla had pretty much been locking down. Um, Sevilla is one of those teams that you hate to play. Uh, they're yeah. more a possession team. They're not really going to try to attack you. Uh, they won Europa last year. A big way they uh, won Europa is beating Manchester United in the semifinals to where they played a five back and had one striker. They just sit back and play great defense yeah. on you. They, they know what they're doing, and, you know, they're going to they're gonna really frustrate you, and that's kind of their point of uh, – of play is to make sure that they've got one forward or two, and they're not really going to go beyond that. They're not running counterattacks, even though Jesus Navas was absolutely unbelievable for the game. Quite great. Uh, but Chelsea's defense finally showed up with uh, their wingers tracking back and making sure that everybody was guarded. And it was the first time we've seen Chelsea play defense in about seven months. So that yeah. was pretty awesome. Yeah. But, seeing a shutout was definitely good. Uh, yeah. Good, good on their side. For, for Chelsea team wise, it's something for them to be proud of, but Pulisic, you know, didn't, um, didn't really have any opportunities to shine. Uh, Werner and Havertz kind of looked a bit off. Um, I mean, Pulisic did too. I'm not going to say that he was great and the rest were um, were bad, but mm-hmm. all in all, offensively, it wasn't a good game for them, which is why we've got fairly, you know, besides a couple little flicks, nothing great to talk about from Pulisic either. Yeah, no, I mean, I did see uh, he was interviewed after the game and just as just a quote he did say, he said, fitness-wise, he feels great. He says he's getting back to where he was before the injury. Uh, he says he feels strong, and he feels like he can play a full 90 minutes uh, and that he's just happy with that. So it's good just to see that he's feeling strong and feeling like he's back to where he was before injury because before that injury, I mean, he was playing. He was incredible. He, he looked like one of the better players in the world. Yeah. You know, definitely Premier League, definitely. And so it's good to see that he thinks he's getting back to full fitness. For sure, for sure. Um, So I guess we'll take it into Gio Reyna performance from there. So it didn't start. We were a little bummed about that, not going to lie. Surprised, yeah. Yeah, the way he's been playing in the Bundesliga starting the last four matches, you would Mm -hmm. think a opening Mm -hmm. Champions League match against a tough team that that they'd give him a nod. Uh, he came on in the 45th minute, picked up a yellow card pretty quickly. Uh, maybe just a frustration that he didn't start the game. Yeah. But uh, shortly after, he did uh, get an assist on the Holland, which he gets day in and day out at this point mm-hmm. to pull pull one back and make it two to one after they went down two nil. But they ended up losing the match three to one. You you know you got to say it was a good 45 minutes uh, from Reyna, but outside of that, he's probably not happy about the loss, and that's at the end of the day what he cares about. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was kind of bummed not to see him in the starting lineup. Um, you know, obviously he is 17. Maybe they're trying to save his legs for just more Bundesliga action. Uh, they do have Schalke uh, this week, which is a big rivalry. Exactly. Yeah, they play Schalke. Yeah, so um, we definitely should be expecting him to start this week. But it, it's surprising. Him and Howland have had such a great connection, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, through four goals right now, Rena has three assists and one goal. Those three assists makes them second in Bundesliga. In assist, he's only behind uh, Thomas Mueller, who has four. 
Uh, Holland has produced four goals in four matches. He also has two assists on top of that. So that connection right there, them two have been playing excellent for the German club within through the first four games. So it was definitely a surprise not to see him start in the Champions League match. That, you know, however, you know, that assist he had was a great give and go. Holland uh, playing him a little through ball and Rena just one time crossed it. I mean, he crossed it right, right through five defenders on Lazio and Holland just sent a rocket first time into the top of the net. He does. No chance. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's an incredible striker, but that, I mean, Reno had an amazing pass. It went through the complete 18-yard box past five defenders, and it, it was just a great play by the 17-year-old, and it's just really impressive. I definitely expect him to be starting in the next Champions League matches come next week. Match day two is next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would you know, expect him to be starting, um, but he's just he's been playing real, real good. Also, fun fact, another one. He's uh Giorino. He's played three matches now um in Champions League. Uh the record for an American in Champions League matches played without having a cap is at four. So he's gonna tie that come next week and most yeah, likely break it the week four. after. The the reasoning why he's not capped, obviously, he's seventeen and US has not had a competitive match since February, January, to where he wasn't in the, the squad at that time. Obviously, when next camp comes around, next competitive match, you can best believe he's going to be there starting at camp. But yeah. that's just a, a fun fact that, you know, he's getting all this UCL play time before he even has a cap for the national Before he team. plays a CONCACAF match, he's playing the best teams in Europe. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's, uh, let's pull it into uh, Dest's performance for Barcelona, the first American to start a Champions League match for Barcelona. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, he was playing on in the left flank again. Uh, Jordi Alba's been injured, so another having him play left back uh, for the meantime. Uh, I, I did see he linked up well with Anse Fado a couple times. He had a, a couple good passes into there. Um, they won, they won five to one, played a full 90 minutes. I mean, there's not much more to say. Uh, overall, yeah, good he, he did get caught job. out of position early on. Um, that led to them hitting the post, but so no goal conceded on it that, that I would say necessarily had anything to do with him. He just got caught out once, which if you're getting caught out once in 90 minutes in your first uh, Champions League start for Barcelona, nice job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he also became uh, the fifth U.S. player to future for two different clubs in the UCL competition. Um, DeMarcus Beasley's done it. J- Jermaine Jones has done it. Oguchi Anawayi's done it. And obviously Pulisic. So, uh, so Gino Des is now the fifth one uh, with doing it in Ajax and now uh, Barcelona. So, um, carrying on from that, we'll talk uh, about we had a cup. Tyler Adams started on the bench for uh, his club, got subbed on in the 58th minute, uh, helped his squad complete a 2 0 shutout. Um, that's great for him, definitely playing a holding mid center defensive mid position. Um, obviously, we would have loved for him to start, but for him to get, get subbed in and get a quality 30 minutes in and help produce a shutout, uh, that's great for Adams. Uh, news and uh, Juventus, obviously, Weston McKinney not featured in the club um, or in the lineup. He tested positive for COVID about a week ago, so we expect him to still be in quarantine for about another week. Um, hopefully, after that, he'll be back in training and potentially uh, get a chance at getting into UCL come uh, match day three. Yeah, sadly, he'll probably miss the um, the Barcelona matchup, Ronaldo versus Messi, that we've got next week. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, also, uh, the, at the end of the UCL, we got Chris Richards, uh, Alex Mendez, and 
and Conrad Elefante. Yeah, yeah, those three were not uh, featured in their A2-men squads for the games. Um, we can say with Chris Richards, uh, he is uh, recovering from the calf injury he sustained in training about a week ago. They were kind of predicting that he would be back for the UCL match. Didn't seem like it. They do have a game that's coming up Saturday, uh, so we'll keep everybody posted on if he's back into the lineup for uh, for the Bundy's League of this coming up Saturday. Uh, last player, Zach Steppen from Man City. Um, obviously, he's named to the 18-man squad as the primary backup keeper for Man City. Um, he just sat on the bench the whole game. Yeah, he's not really going to start over uh, Ederson, who's one of the better keepers in the world. Um, but, you know, it's good to see that he's on the 18-man squad and potentially if Man City does play a lesser opponent, yep. they can look at giving uh, Stefan a chance to start. And to wrap up uh, the European matches, Timothy Weah came on in the 80th minute uh, for Lille and their 4-1 win. And we had a little bit of a trending hashtag going on for free Weah after another another game on the bench. <laughs> yeah, uh, when, they, when they named – I saw on Twitter earlier when they had tweeted out the starting lineup. Now I've read the comments and you see about 30 to 43 ways in a row. And it, I mean, it's a thing because uh, he, he, he had a pretty high transfer fee going into the club and, you know, you would expect for him to be getting some type of play time, but it seems like they they have him as a, as the third striker right now. So it's just like, he's a young talent. And if you're not going to play him, why, why use that money? Why get him in your club if you're not going to give him a chance to play? The, the thing was, I mean, they do have Ikone who's nasty and they gave yeah, they David a lot of money as well. Yeah. So when you've got them two up front, the the opportunities are going to be slim. But why mm-hmm. do that then? Give him a loan. <laughs> Let yeah. him go play somewhere else in France exactly. where he's going to play. Yeah. Uh, but I did see something, though. I think uh, the club does have six matches within the next 18 days. So that is a lot of matches in 18 days. So this potentially could be a stretch to where he's going to see some playing time because you're not going to be able to start the same 11 Oh, uh, no. six different matches not in 18 days that's gonna be, United. no yeah you're not gonna be able to do that so potentially this could be a, a stretch over the next uh two to three weeks to where he actually can get some more playing time and you know if he has some good showings eventually move his way up in the lineup agreed agreed so we're gonna take this into our, our next segment of the day uh kind of gonna dive into our world cup qualifying schedule what we think is the schedule at the moment because you know who knows what can happen with covid they're saying we're gonna start this in june 2021 and we've got a lot of exciting matches against uh, some pretty good teams. I think we're watching CONCACAF get better and better throughout the years. The talent's starting to, to spread away from just Mexico and the United States. Canada is looking, uh, looking pretty good. So yeah, there's definitely. a lot to look forward to. So it's ca- caps off in June, four matches in June before the Gold Cup gets going in July. Um, going to be a, an away match for the first one. And looking at the the new CONCACAF setup for how they're doing the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, because we're ranked in the top five CONCACAF teams in the world, we did get an automatic buy to the third round. So the second round qualifying, uh, it looks like either El Salvador or Trinidad and Tobago will be the team that takes that spot that we kick off the league. Yeah, against. Trinidad coming out of Group F and El Salvador in Group A. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, two. and those, those matches should be hosted in March. So I'm going to guess... Trinidad was old last time. I think El Salvador gets through and we'll start away against El Salvador, which is a tough match to kick off because they do have, you know, if, if fans are allowed, it's a tough place to play. If fans aren't allowed, I expect the United States to win that game two nothing, three, one, somewhere around there. Yeah. So uh, picking off from that Canada at home, Mm -hmm. big match. 
You predict them. Um, what you what group are they coming out of? Group I'm, B? I'm thinking Canada's coming out of B over Haiti. Uh, coming out B. of yeah. I agree. I, they obviously they got Afonso Davies, um, who's going to be one of the best fullbacks in the world. Um, he already is practically. Uh, I probably could be a top two, top three within the next two to three years. Um, mm-hmm. obviously Canada has uh, more talent uh, other than Davies, but yeah, definitely see Canada coming out of the Group B E slash uh, matchup, mm-hmm. uh, and definitely would have the home match against Canada. Um, they're not somebody to look over because over the last couple of years Canada has definitely gotten better. Oh, um, for sure. And they'll definitely prove good competition for the United States. I, t- I totally agree. So after that, we've got um, the away and home, Honduras away and Jamaica home. Both of those uh, are going to be tough matches anytime that you're playing uh, a, a Honduras team that is always going to play rough, honestly. Uh, they'll, mm-hmm. They like to foul. They like to get in your face. They like to make sure that nothing's clean throughout the game. So right. them on the road, like I said earlier, if there are fans, it's totally different experience for the United States. It's people throwing coins and other things onto the field when we score and things of that nature. So it's, you know, it, it comes down to that through most of the World Cup qualifying, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd say CONCACAF in total, um, just their play style is more of an aggressive play style. They like to get physical. They, you know, they're going to foul you. They're going to try to get you out of your comfort zone, especially if they feel they're they're the less superior team. They're not just going to let you come out there and tic-tac the ball around and play through balls and run past you all day. They're going to put a body on you. They're going to foul you. They're going to try to shake you up and get you out of your – get your uh get you out of your mind try to mess with you and yeah they gotta it's a psychological game and CONCACAF really I agree I agree and that home game uh following that away match against Honduras again the home game against Jamaica uh I like us to kind of handle that match pretty easily Jamaica Mm -hmm. speed used to give us problems and as we've talked about previously on episodes speed isn't going to give us problem anymore no uh overall as a team speed is not an issue we have plenty of players now especially with a younger lineup coming in plenty of pace in the defense and the midfield and attack. Uh, I don't think Jamaica will be an issue. Um, honestly, if the cl- if our team is playing well and playing as good as they should, all the players are having great connections, we should be able to win all four games. I agree. I agree. Uh, so following that, the last qualifier to get into the final group, I'm thinking it's going to be Panama versus Curacao. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think I think Panama takes it. I for think, sure. I think, yeah. I think Panama definitely will take it. They'll uh, be the last uh, qualifying, I guess, to get in for for the final stage of uh, the World Cup qualifying. Um, so we would have – is it a away game we would have? Yeah, against an them? away game with Panama. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, that's not an easy place either. None of these places in CONCACAF are going to be easy going away. It's always going to be a hostile environment. Obviously, with COVID, we already don't know if there will be a crowd. Um, but definitely, if there is a crowd, it definitely is going to be a hostile environment for the United mm-hmm. States. So after uh, after that, we've got, like I said, Costa Rica at home. And then finally, the Mexico game in October. Yeah, that that's the big game. That's the game that the United States men's team is always going to look for. That's the one you're always going to mark down when it comes to international play. You're going to have that jotted down for that Mexico game because that's going to be the biggest game. Mexico has always been our biggest rival. They've always been the best team in CONCACAF. And with the amount of young guys we have on this team and playing abroad in Europe and even the guys in the MLS, you know, they want to prove that we're the team to beat. Mexico has been the team to beat and still is the team to beat. Yeah, Mexico's can I pencil in two nothing next to that, or what do you think? Yeah, I think I think home. 
I, th- I think I think we win. I, th- I think I, I'd say two nothing, two to one. Um, yeah. Now it'd be a different story when in the match in January over in Azteca, because you know playing playing over there in Azteca is never yeah, yeah. never an easy time. Um, but but yeah. Yeah. So we wrap up 2021 away at Jamaica, uh, home against El Salvador, in my opinion, and then away against Canada. Mm-hmm. Th- this schedule, I mean. It's not yeah. difficult. No, outside of the Mexico game, I mean, honestly, we should we should run the table. Every if you're looking at it on paper, we should win every game. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can't go based off that. Mm-hmm. But if the team is playing well, we should win every game. You know, a couple teams could give us a challenge. The Mexico games definitely going to be the most challenging. They're the most talented team if, uh, outside of the USA. If it's behind closed doors for all of Concacaf qualifying, which I'm guessing it probably will be. Yeah, there is there's no issues for the first it's going to be 14 matches through the first 11. There aren't issues. And if we run the table through the first 11, we close out with Mexico, Panama and Costa Rica. We could be good by then. Yeah. And we might. It's a a lucky, lucky schedule because, you know, third to last match is Mexico away. So I'm I'm hoping by January 2022, there's fans in stadiums. But by then we should be 30 points deep and already looking clean, qualified, put out whoever the hell we want against Mexico. Agreed. Yeah, I think we got a friendly schedule with that away game uh, being the hardest game we have at Azteca being, you know, towards the end of that to where potentially coming into the last three games, we may only need one point. We may only yeah. need three points to where we can draw, we can manage to take a loss, and we've already clinched World Cup qualifying. Um, I definitely feel like we can, um, especially at the beginning of the schedule, we should be able to punch up World Cup uh, qualifying relatively earlier than expected. Like last time um, it came down to the Trinidad and Tobago game and we had to get a win. Yeah. Um, So I think it's a new, new, um, I think more exciting way for the CONCACAF to be doing their World Cup qualifiers. I think uh, what we've had in the past, the hexagon stage has been uh, kind of a letdown for the smaller countries and chances of getting into the World Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much you've got group stages where they make sure that all of the big uh the big ranking teams have their own group they beat yeah. the little countries and then they get on and they go play each other and right or get in so now you know it, it is another spot for hopefully more competition and then at the end of the day it's the top three teams in the rankings are automatically going to qualify and then there's going to be a one game uh a playoff for whoever came in fourth out of the seven teams so there's no reason for the United States. Yeah, def- oh yeah. I mean, the format's definitely given more more teams an opportunity to, you know, have a chance at qualifying. But I mean, you, the USA should be able to qualify and be the top team coming out of CONCACAF for the World Cup. All right. Now that, uh, that, now that we're through that, you know, just to kind of close that that segment out a little bit, we're, we're getting in. I, I, I'm willing to put money on it. There's no way after what happened in uh, 20, 2018 that we're not making the next World Cup. Yeah, that that Trinidad and Tobago game was an embarrassment. Um, you could ask the players, obviously the coaching. I mean, everybody was embarrassed. The country as a whole, to where you go down to Trinidad and Tobago and can't come out with a win. You um, can read my Facebook. I was pissed. Yeah, I mean, you, you, we talked about it in the previous episode, to where we think they relied too much on a 17-year-old Christian Pulisic at the time to try to carry the team by himself. Um, obviously, he had the talent to do so, but that's a lot for a 17-year-old to try to do everything by himself than uh, that big of a match. Um, obviously, he's now a lot more mature. Um, 
he has a lot more talent around him than what that team had uh, against Trinidad and Tobago. So I don't see any reasons why we should run into that issue again. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So now let's uh, dive into the weekend matches that we've got. We've got some exciting ones going on, don't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll start in the Premier League. Obviously, the big game uh, coming at Chelsea and Manchester United uh, on Saturday. They play at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time on Obviously, we think Pulisic will be in that starting lineup. We would like to see him in his natural position at left wing. Uh, hopefully, uh, Frank Lampard does that. Um, if not, he'll probably be at right wing, and Mason Mount will be on the left again. A chance um, for him to uh, get, uh, I guess, get best of United after his first Premier League uh, minutes that happened last year when United absolutely throttled Chelsea. Uh, yeah. It was 4-0. So, yeah. you know, come in. Play, play well against United, maybe get a goal. Uh, I'd yeah, like to celebrate good. that, yeah. just, not just for Pulisic, for Chelsea. <laughs> but I, I definitely think um, the game's going to be a lot different. It's, I think it's going to be an open game, not, com- not how it was against Sevilla. Sevilla is a defensive-minded team. Uh, Manchester United obviously has talent. Um, they're one of the more talented teams in the Premier League. Uh, they got talent in the defense, but they like to play open. They like to go forward. They, they're going to bring people forward and try to score, and I think that's going to – Great. And they like to uh, shoot penalties. Exactly. Uh, Bruno Fernandez. yeah. They're, I mean, I think it's going to create chances for a counterattack for Chelsea. And with the caliber of players they have up front, they, they will be able to counterattack and they will be able to cause pressure on that defensive line. Um, so just uh, last thing, the game's on NBC. So, I mean, that's nationally televised. So anybody wanting to watch the game, it's 1230 on NBC. Um, get a chance to watch uh, America's Best Player. Uh, play against one of the biggest clubs or for one of the biggest clubs against one of the biggest clubs in the world. Uh, so, I mean, it's practically a primetime game. If there was a primetime game in soccer, that this would be a primetime game. Uh, continuing the Premier League, we have uh, obviously Man City and West Ham play Saturday, 7.30 a.m. Uh, that game will be on Peacock. Uh, Stefan Moslaka will be backing up again. Uh, who knows? They can, could give him a, ch- a chance at starting uh, against West Ham. Uh, not really sure. Uh, if I had a prediction, I would say he'd most likely be on the bench behind Ederson again. But it's just a game to stay on the lookout. Um, potentially, if they put that starting lineup out real early and we see Stefan, might be something to where you want to wake up at 7.30, see how Stefan does uh, in a game for the Premier League. Um, last game I'll mention Premier League-wise, Fulham is going to be playing Crystal Palace Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, Antoine Robinson and Tim Ream, the, the American connection over there at Fulham, uh, it seems like. They always get the Americans coming in in that club. Obviously, Clint Dempsey was a great player over there, too. Um, so, Robinson's looking to carry on the tradition. This game's actually on TV also, NBC Sports Network. Uh, so, 10 a.m. NBC Sports Network, if you want to watch two of the America's uh, defenders play. For sure. And then, uh, you know, if, if you want to take a dive into the second division of England, Cameron Carter-Vickers is going to probably be playing for Bournemouth uh, against Watford, 7.30 on Saturday morning. Yeah, he should be making his debut. Uh, obviously, Spurs loaned him out again. This is probably the fifth or sixth times where he's been loaned out now um, from Spurs. Uh, see if he can, you know, have a good uh, good debut for the club and put out some solid minutes. Who knows? Uh, Bournemouth might, you know, try to actually have him come over and uh, be there full-time instead of out on loan. Um, but, yeah, uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing him in the lineup. If not starting, hopefully he sells in and gets some quality minutes for the club. Uh, Wofford, I mean, I think both these teams were relegated last year from Premier uh, Both these clubs were in Premier League last year. Um, so this is going to be a competitive match. Uh, both these teams had Premier, Premier League quality. So it'd be great to uh, see them get a chance to play. Yeah. And so now let's, uh, let's take it into the Bundesliga, MLS of Europe, as I like to call it. We've got a couple games for everybody to watch over there. 
Yeah, uh, but they have a deal with ESPN Plus. So uh, practically any game that you see, if you have ESPN Plus, you'll be able to get a chance at seeing uh, the Bundy's League action. Um, Brian Munich plays uh, Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Uh, Chris Richards, hopefully he'll be recovered. Uh, obviously, we mentioned he had a calf injury about a week or two ago. Uh, he wasn't there in UCL. Hopefully he's recovered for this week. Um, they are playing a weaker opponent. This potentially could be a chance for him to start. If not, get subbed in second half, get some quality minutes uh, in for the American. For um, sure. It'd be, a, it'd be a great opportunity for him. He hasn't started a match in a couple weeks due to injury. So mm-hmm. kind of just get, get in there. Um, obviously, he's not one of Bayern Munich's best defenders, but they've got a hefty schedule. They're playing tough teams. So, you know, he'll yeah. get some well-deserved minutes. Yeah, I mean, another thing about Chris Richards uh, – he came from FC Dallas. Alfonso Davies also came from FC Dallas. That's the connection right there. They played together in FC Dallas. Uh, Davies signed for 22 mil to come over. I think Richards is around five mil. Obviously, Alfonso Davies is a day-in, day-out starter. Mm-hmm. Um, but just having that connection, both of them playing over there in the FC Dallas system together and then coming over, uh, it's great because they keep that connection together. And this potentially could be Bayern's starting defense. Uh, given another two to three years, they potentially could be playing next to each other. Richards yeah. could be a starting center back with Davies on the left. I mean, that could potentially be the lineup. Um, he's only 20 years old. He had his first start uh, a couple weeks ago, got the assist, uh, his, got an assist in that match. Uh, I think Robert Lewandowski uh, uh, scored. Uh, mm-hmm. He got an assist to Lewandowski. So, I mean, he, he's going to have the chance to play. He has great talent around him, and uh, hopefully he, he'll be able to get a start in this. Uh, the Bring it up. Keep going in Bundy's League action. We got Tyler Adams and RB Leipzig against Hertha Berlin at 9.30 a.m. That game is on ESPN Plus also. Uh, Dortmund versus Schalke, 12.30 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, that'll be on ESPN Plus. We expect Gio to be starting this game. Uh, Schalke is obviously Dortmund's a big rival in the Bundy's League right now. And Schalke expect- is far... Just, they're bad. Yeah, they 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 are bad. Uh, McKinney got out at the right time. I will say. Uh, well, he's only on loan, so yeah. Um, but potentially, if he plays well for you, Juve, you know, Juve yeah. might look at trying to get him over there full time. But yeah, we expect Gio to to start play a full ninety minutes. I honestly expect him to get at least an assist. I wouldn't be surprised if he got Let's a goal. On that. We're going to guarantee an assist out of yeah. Gio for, if he doesn't get an assist, yeah, 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 I expect him to get an assist. Uh, Shock is one of the weaker teams right now in the Bundesliga. League. Uh, Dortmund has a lot of great talent. Um, we just expect them to kind of yeah. run all over them. And we've got uh, two uh, two more matches on Sunday. Brooks is going to be playing against Armenia at 10.30 and Josh Sargent probably going to be starting against Hoffenheim at 1 o'clock on Sunday. But taking us out of uh, the Bundesliga over to Spain, Serginio Dest. Yeah, El Is Classico. he going to start El Clasico? I believe so. Jordi Alba still injured. I predict him to be back at left back again, uh, starting, starting for Barca. So that I, is that going to be the biggest club uh, club match that an American player has ever played? I think so. I mean, obviously Chelsea versus Man U is pretty big, but El Clasico, I think that's the biggest club match in the world uh, mm-hmm. for, for anybody. To Everybody's going to have eyes on this match, and there's going to be an American playing at left back more than likely. Yeah, yeah, and he he's going to have a chance to prove himself. Uh, he's going to play playing against Real Madrid, the second best team after Barca. They have plenty of talent up front. He's going to be defending the likes of you know uh, Benzema. He's going to have uh, Casemiro, stuff like that, all coming at him. So he's going to have a chance to where uh, he can prove, uh, you know, he deserves a starting spot uh, in the lineup. Uh, to finish, uh, you know, after La Liga, we got Belgian Pro League with uh, Ethan Horvath. He's obviously still going to be starting. Uh, you can't not mention him now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After, Especially after his great performance this past week. Uh, anyway, they have a game, uh, 11.45 a.m. on Saturday. 
Um, I don't think it's going to be streamed anyway. I probably want to be able to look, but um, we can definitely just, you know, be expecting him to have a good performance um, again and hoping to get another shutout and just continue his good streak going. He should start this weekend, and I think he's going to be starting come next weekend uh, Champions League again until Mingley uh, gets cleared uh, from COVID. For sure. And um, you're you're the big MLS guy, David. What, what matches should we be looking at? Yeah. For over the well, we do have a match tonight. It actually starts in about two hours. Uh, I'm real high on Jordan Morris. Obviously, I said I want him in my starting lineup for the national team. The Seattle Saunders play Portland Timbers tonight at 1030. They're off Fox Sports 1. I'm going to be watching it. It's on you know, it's on, on TV for anybody that has Fox Sports. Um, I expect them to do well. Jordan Morris has been playing real well this year in the MLS, um, and I expect them to keep his uh, good form up. Um, obviously, we got the man, the myth, the legend. Jesse <laughs> Zardes over here for the Columbus crew. Um, obviously he's second in uh, gold, golden boot uh, right now in the MLS. He's one goal behind the leader at 12. He has 11. They play 8 p.m. on Saturday. That game's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, so if you're not watching college football and I feel like watching a little bit of MLS, you know, go to ESPN+. Plus to be able to see Jesse Zardes play. And then um, the rounded up, Atlanta United and Orlando City play Saturday at 4 p.m., that's Miles Robinson, the young center back. Um, I'm real high on him. I think he'll have a chance to eventually work his way into the lineup at uh, center back rotation for the United States team. Agree. And kind of just one uh, one more match just to throw out there. I know there's – I wouldn't say there's anybody on the squads who I would say are, are definitely going to be fighting for a spot in the lineup. But uh, El Trafico, LA Galaxy versus uh, LA uh, United is going to be um, – a great match, I think it always is. Yeah, it, it always is. It, it, and that's that's the biggest game in MLS uh, year in year out. Uh, they've always had a good talent. Uh, Sebastian Legette plays uh, for the Galaxy. Um, you know, he's had he's flirted with you know stinks in the national team. He's coming in and out. I mean, he's he's a, still a good player. Potentially, mm -hmm. we could see him there in the Gold Cup roster or something yeah. like that, getting some uh, time to see if you know if he can prove that he belongs in the squad. So I. I predict him and, you know, eventually get, definitely get a chance to come next year with all the competitive matches. But, yeah, that and El Trap, that's always a big game. LA Galaxy versus LAFC, it's always going to be a big game. Yeah, so uh, just thanks again, everybody. Uh, I know this is our third episode. We're, we're working through our kinks. I think uh, if you listen to our first one, we're obviously getting better, sounding a little more confident, getting it going. I do want to thank David again. Uh, I, I think I just this has been awesome. I love talking about this team. I love talking about all of the talent that we have and where we can go. And honestly, it was grinning here. And you think that we could run the table in this uh, World Cup qualifying. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, June 2021 looks like the start date. Yeah, thank, uh, again, thank you, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Always feedback is always welcomed. Um, we're still working on this third podcast. Uh, like David said, uh, if you listen to the first one compared to the second and third one, uh, we feel like we're definitely getting better. Stuff's flowing. Um, but we're just real excited to finally be able to start this and spread the word about this U.S. men's national team because there is a bright future and there is a lot of talent on this team. And we should be good, not just for the next two to three years. We should be good for the next 10, 12 years to where a bunch of this young team is going to be playing into the 2026 World Cup, potentially into the 2030 World Cup. All right. Thanks, everybody. We're going to probably record uh, Sunday night, so expect another episode out uh, Monday morning talking about uh, more Champions League and how that Chelsea United and uh, El Clasico went. Thanks, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Peace.